Okay, we're going to learn Parshat Ekev. This week's Parsha, the Torah, Moses is recalling the story of the, of the golden calf. And now he went up, if he first tells the story, he went up to get the two tablets. It was Mount Sinai, then he went up to get the two tablets. We'll read from inside source number one, and we'll go from there. You want to start? Source number one, flying letters. When I ascended the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant that God made with you, I remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And God gave me the two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God, on which were engraved all the words that the Lord spoke with you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. Then Moses recalls how he went up to Mount Sinai 40 days. He didn't eat and didn't drink. I had a class, I don't remember where and what. We had here the class. And, I, and he said, oh, well, maybe only drink water. Remember, we showed him right here, it's written in the text, <laughs> that Moses didn't eat or didn't drink. That's what he says. That will be made. And it was written with the finger of God, right? God gave us, gave us the stones. God, in the first tablets, God created the stones, the two tablets itself, and he write on it, the writing, the words, the, the, the Ten Commandments. Not much... How many letters are in, the, are in the Ten Commandments? Give a guess. Two, Twelve. Three hundred and... Is it the positive coming out? Three hundred forty-eight, is that it? No, no, no. But you're getting in the right direction. Six, seven, six, thirteen. You're getting in the right direction, Corey? Six, twenty. Six, twenty. Very good. With the seven mitzvahs of the rabbis. At six hundred and twenty letters. That's the acronym for the word Kessel. Kettle, crown, mm-hmm. is 620. Taf is 400, Reish is 200, and Chaf is 20, 620. Like Corona. Like cor- Corona is the same word, crown, yes. <laughs> then it's Keter in Ibu. We say, you know, in Musaf service, they say Keter it Nulacha, right? Kessel, Keter means. What Keter Itulacha means, we will give God a crown. How we give God a crown? When we do, when we praise him, we like put a crown on his head, so to speak. In any case, that's what, what the, the, the two tablets. Continue. But then God said to me, Arise, descend quickly from here, for your people whom you have brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from the path I commanded them to follow. They have made for themselves a molten calf. God tells them, go down. And as Rashi says in Parshas Kisiso, go down. I, I promote you. Your, your promotion is only because you're rep- representing the Jewish people. If, the Jewish pe- if I'm angry with the Jewish people, you have no point to be here. The whole essence of Moses that he represents God, the Jewish people, if not, who needs Moses? It's like the president cannot take the presence to his home after he gets it as, as a president. It's not his. It's, it's, it belongs to the, gov- to the country. Go ahead, continue. So I turned and came down from the mountain. The mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. I saw that you had sinned against your God, against God, your God. You had made for yourselves a molten calf. You were indeed quick to turn away from the path which God had commanded you to follow. So I grasped the two tablets and hurled them from my two hands, shattering them before your eyes. See, I broke them and shattered them. Moses didn't say he got angry. In the first time it's written, when it's written in the book of Exodus, it's written that Moses got, uh, got, uh, got upset, got angry. 
Here Moses doesn't attributing, he's breaking the tablet, so he's getting angry. He says, I saw what you did, right? That you went away, you drifted away from the way of God, and I broke it in front of your eyes. You should see it. Boom, in public, in front of them. Okay, source number two, Judd. When God initially gave the tablets to Moses, they miraculously carried their own weight. Once Moses descended, approached the camp, and saw the idol, the letters flew off the tablets, and the tablets suddenly became heavy. Immediately, Moses became angry and threw them down. The Medrash says like this, when he brought down the Luchos, how big were the tablets? Shishat Fochim, how much is a tefach? Foot and a half or something? Or this? I think this a is thumb? a tefah. <laughs> no, from here to here, I think. Check it on your cell phone. Well, how much is a tefah? Tefah, how you spell it? You're asking me how to spell oh. things in English. Long? Tefah, how, how much is a tefah? I don't want to do it on what this. What is thing. a tefah? It's a measurement. It's a measurement like a unit of length approximately equal to 8 centimeters or 3.2 inches. It's a 3.2 inches. That's what it is. Yeah. From here to here, it's yeah, a tefach. No, that's 6 inches, 7 inches. I mean, no, yeah, it's yeah, it not 7 inches. Maybe this is 3 and a half inches. Like three. An example of it uses in connection with the sukkah, where the minimum height is 10 tefachim. Yes. It's probably this. It's corresponding it's to about 80 two? centimeters, corresponding to 32 inches. 32 inches is 8 tefachim. Then how much is it? Three, so three, like, three like inches. Yard, it's like a little less three than the yardstick. Then the, then the tablet was, I think, sixth for him. That he says later. So that's 20 inches. 20 inches? So almost. No. Okay. Oh, it must be more. Something. Six times 3.2. Yeah, right. 18 plus 1. In any case, the... the, 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 the one second. I said that later. I thought they were... No, no, it must be bigger than that. No, no, something is bigger than No, no, it cannot be. It's how thick they were. I'm just reading the Midrash there. I have a question. One second, one second, one second. In any case, it was very, it was heavy. The two tablets, we're going to, we're going to learn about it. And they were heavy. Because there was sapphire stone, right? But when he says, the Medrash says, when Moses brought them down, they were like flooding. Mm -hmm. Like a living person is like them. Mm -hmm. the when he came down to the tablets, he, f he saw that the letters flew off. How that's could they fly off? Ah, that's what we're going to learn about. Well, that's what's written here. They flew off, they disappeared. And he saw that it became heavy. If they were engraved in the stone, how could they fly off? Good question. We are going to ask this question exactly. Then no, then that's a good question. And therefore Moses saw that they are heavy. He, destroyed, he broke them. Okay. That's what the Medrash Tanchumas says. Okay, you continue. But there were blank stones at that point. One second. The Rebbe, why break God's handiwork? The tablets that were broken were the first set and were crafted by God. Unlike the second set, which was crafted by Moses, as the verse says, carve out yourself two stone tablets. This is explicit in the Torah. As even the five-year-old student knows that the tablets were God's work, 
After this, the inscriptions of the Ten Commandments were engraved onto the tablets. The inscription was God's. Even on the second tablets, the inscription was engraved by God. And this is all the more true regarding the first tablets, which were given before the sin of the golden calf. Then he says the question is, if the second tablets was, the first tablets, God made the stones. Not only the writing. Then why are you it? The second time God told Moses, you're breaking too fast. You took quick to break. Make your own stones. You'll not break so fast. That's what the matter says. Mm-hmm. But the first time Moses, God provided the stones and provided us with the writing on the stones. Mm-hmm. And why was Moses breaking it? Yeah. Continue. In other words, when God decided to inscribe the Ten Commandments, he didn't suffice with tablets made from expensive materials such as sapphire. Rather, he made a special creation of tablets that were God's work, worthy of containing God's inscription of the Ten Commandments. These tablets were greater than everything created during the six days of creation, as evidenced by the fact that they were created on Friday evening of the creation week, as the commentaries of the Mishnah explain. There are ten things that were created by the last minute. And the Mishnah says in Pekeh Avot, in Ethics of Our Father, there were ten things that were created a minute, the last second before the end of the six days of creation. It's almost like, you know, the president on the last minute is pardoning a few people and he's doing whatever, whatever he really wants. Then uh, that's, that's, what, that's what they did. That's what Hashem created it. Uh, the, 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 the staff of Moses' staff is one of the things that were created. The Shamir, basically. The opening of the earth, the swallow ba- Yeah, the opening of the earth for Korach. Basically, basically. Kori. What happened yes. there? I was reading. But it's got close to what? Yes, uh, one second, one second, one second. <laughs> Let me do this. Corey has to read Ecclesiastes 3. You guys see that now? It's only Corey. No. Corey, you see it? Yeah, well, yeah, he's scrolling right okay. now. Okay. Now, then the question, the, then what was created, in, I think the way I understand it, I remember to read it somewhere. Friday afternoon was created, and there were six days of nature. The last minute was created the possibility for miracles, for above nature, for breaking nature. In any case, if this is the question, read one more paragraph if you don't mind. No, I don't, I don't. This raises the question, why did Moses break the tablets? It is true that when they were broken, the letters of the Ten Commandments flew off the stone, so they no longer possessed the quality of God's inscription but they still had the greatest quality of all, that they were God's handiwork. Still, God created the stones. Let's say the walls disappeared. Still, it's stones that God created. It's not that you found them in a, in a in, in, you made the stones from, from, you carved your own stones. It's God's stones, a special creation. What they said. Huh? What they said. What the Ten Commandments said. For good, I, let's say letters, that the letters disappeared. Letters it doesn't say. The stones are the stones. Stones of God. Why Moses breaks it? That's a question. Even if the stones are gone, why was Moses breaking it? 
But here, to understand that, we need to understand a different issue, a different uh, thing that will bring us back to understand everything. Okay, go for it, doctor. Why tear up an erased contract? On the words of the verse, and Moses flung the tablets from his hands, Rashi comments, Moses said to himself, if regarding the individual mitzvah of Pesach, the Torah says no one from a foreign nation should partake of it, this is certainly true regarding the entire Torah. All of the Jewish people are like heretics now. How can I give it to them? Yet even if you see, have... what is he saying? There is a Rashi that says, can you turn on the recognition to out here? <laughs> Since I came from Israel, I'm out. Um, the, the Rashi says there in Chumash, I think it's in, yeah, in the Pashas Kisiso, Rashi says that he, why Moses broke the tablet? He said, if Pesach, that's only one of the mitzvahs. The Torah said that somebody who is, who is not circumcised cannot eat, cannot eat from the Passover lamb. A non-Jewish person cannot eat from the Passover lamb. Somebody who is not a part of the covenant here, the old Torah is here in the Ten Commandments, and all of the Jews didn't deny only one mitzvah or something. They, they're completely, they, they denied everything. They worshiped idols. I'm going to give in the Ten Commandments. That was Moses' logic, why he broke the tablets. That's what Rashi says. Continue. Yet. Yet, even if the tablets cannot be given to the Jewish people, this isn't a reason to break them. This is why Rashi continues to explain that Moses' breaking of the tablets was like a bride's advocate tearing up the marriage contract. Yeah, why you had to break it? You know what? You don't, want to, you don't want to give it to the Jews. Take it. Put it in, your, in, 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 in a cave. What do you mean, breaking it? When you get angry with somebody, you don't break the most expensive. You don't break your cell phone. You break his head, but not the cell phone. <laughs> Why, why, why book it? That's a question. That Rashi says, as we're going to learn in, in, so in the, from the Rashi itself, it was, like the, it was like a contract. It was like a ktuba. You know what a ktuba is? A ktuba is a marriage contract. And the Jewish people, as Rashi brings it all example, are the Jewish people were married to God. God was the husband. The Jewish people are the wife. Mount Sinai was the wedding. The two tablets were the contract, were the ktuba. If they don't live up to the ktuba, they deserve that. Mm. Then better to tear the ketubah up. That's what, they, that's what Moses said. Break the contract. Then he, God will come to his scheme. Well, what the hell they did that? Then Moses says, you have a contract to show? What do you want? <laughs> oh, no contract. Don't combine. They never, I never delivered the contract to the Jews. But not only didn't want to deliver it, <laughs> he wanted to tear it apart. No contract. Continue with the rushing. This can be compared to a king who went abroad and left his betrothed with the maids. Because of the immoral behavior of the maid, she acquired a bad reputation. Her advocate arose and tore up her marriage contract. He said, if the king decides to kill her, I will say to him, she is not yet your wife. The king investigated and discovered that only the maids were guilty of immoral behavior. He was therefore reconciled with her, and her advocate said to him, write her another marriage contract because the first one was torn up. The king replied to him, you tore it up. Go buy yourself another sheet of paper, and I will write it for her in my own handwriting. The king in the parable represents God. The maids represent the mixed multitude, and the advocate is Moses, and the betrothed is the Jewish people. Uh -huh. This is why the verse says, carve for yourself. Beautiful. It says, the king is God. The maid servant are the riffraff who 
instigated the Jews to worship the idols, but they, most of the Jews did not worship idols. The advocate is Moses, and the Jewish people are the betrothed women of God. And what God told Moses, this time bring your own stones. Right? What? Yeah, absolutely. Then, what I mean to say is, then, then that's why Moses threw up the, the contract, right? Now the question comes, read the last paragraph, seemingly. Rebbe, seemingly, according to this explanation, it can't be that the letters flew off the tablets before they were broken. Had the letters flown off, the tablets would have been a clean slate without the letters, you should have no other gods. In this case, they wouldn't be like a marriage contract and there would be no need to break them. If we learn that meaning of the letters flow off literally, what's the point to break the contract? It's not written, it's erased. It's gone. If you come up with the sole explanation that Moses broke the, the tablet because he has to de- break the contract, because he doesn't want it should be in writing, that the Jewish people worship, the, if they worship idols, they deserve that, they let us flow away. Then why are you breaking the contract? Why are you breaking the stones? What's the point? They're already saved from the situation. Obviously, it's not so simple that the letters flew off. I have in my office, next to the wall, there is a wire that maybe I can connect it to here and to try to save mine because I'm running out of this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I matriarch you for so many times. Rabbi? Yeah? Is there something also that talks about Moses Grasping the, the tablets as opposed to something else? One second, Cory, we're going to learn everything will be understood. Cory. Oh, I'll wait. Shevach, go ahead. The vanishing life force. The Rebbe. Engraved letters don't erase. The simple explanation for this is understandable even for the five year old student of Scripture. As discussed a number of times, some things are so simple that they are simply missed. In our case, there is a simple question. The notion that the letters could fly off the tablets, yet the tablets would remain whole, is only possible if the letters were written like those of a Torah scroll, ink on parchment, in which case the letters are a separate entity from the surface. But regarding the tablets, the Torah states clearly that the letters were engraved on the tablets. The letters Aleph, Nun, and Yud of the word Anochi and all of the 620 letters of the Ten Commandments were engraved into the tablets. This raises the question, how is it possible for the letters to fly off while the, letter, while the tablets remained whole until they were broken later? The entire existence of the letters was only as a part of the stone. Okay, he says, when you can say that the letters disappear. If you, have an, an, uh, you, you write on a parchment, you write, let's say, the Torah on, a, on parchment, or the mezuzah, then you can say that the letter disappeared, erased, were erased. But if it was engraved, what means the letter flew, flew away? It's a part of the stone. And it's not written anywhere that pieces of stones flow away. Then what happened there? What does this mean when the Medrash says the letters flow away? That's a question. 
The Rebbe is trying to explain what does this mean. Then we must be, it doesn't mean the literal sense. Because first of all, if the literal sense, why Moses had to break the tablets? Number two, what does this mean even that they use the flow away? It was engraved, it was a part of the stone and it's engraved in something. There's nothing to flow away. It's not like that there is ink there. It would have to fill, it wouldn't fly away. It would have to be filled, not fly away. To fly away means stones have, part of the stone has to disappear. It's not written anywhere. That's what he says in the next paragraph. It can it can't be argued that the letters flew off along with the pieces of the stone with pieces of the stone they were engraved on. Such a detail isn't mentioned anywhere, and it is contrary to the straightforward meaning of the letters flew off, meaning that the letters departed, not the stone. Aha, uh -huh. then the letters did not flew off. Then what happened there? Continue. What you want to read? You want to read the paragraph? Go ahead. The answer to this is clear, even to the child, from the continuation of the Midrash, that when the letters flew off, the tablets became heavy in Moses' hands. Continue. The, ta the tablets themselves had to be heavy because their size was six, was six hand breaths by six hand breaths, and as explained in the Talmud. This, this is anyway clear from the fact that a large surface surface space was necessary to fit all the words and especially considering the fact that they needed to be visible on the top of the mountain to the entire Israelite camp. Must be the, the, the tablets alone were heavy. Two stones are heavy. Six handbreak by six handbreak is, is, is a heavy thing. It's a heavy stones. And they had to write the whole Ten Commandments and that 620 letters. It's a lot. And when Moses was at Mount Sinai, everybody was able to see it. Obviously, it was something. Let's continue. However, However, the letters made the tablets like a living entity that carries its own weight. Even a child knows that it's easier to carry a living thing than it is to carry an inanimate object. The letters gave life to the tablets. The letters gave life to the tablets. There was life there. Continue. Like the soul gives life to the body and makes it lighter. Mm -hmm. If this is true about the human soul, it is all the more true about the divine inscription that was engraved on the tablets. Only when the letters flew off did the tablets become heavy in Moses' hands. Aha! And what he says here, the tablets were like a living person. There was life there. It doesn't mean that the letters disappeared. The life that the letters represent disappeared. It was a living identity. And therefore, when Moses was carrying him, they were not so heavy. It was heavy, but not very heavy. You're holding a baby, a living baby. He's moving, he's alive. And the letters flew off. What these letters flew off? And it became heavy when the tablets lost their life. Yes, the letters, everything, nothing changed. But everything changed. They became dead weight. They were dead weight, exactly. Hmm. And I remember when I learned the Sikha the first time, I was like, my eyes opened, because I never understood what means the letters disappeared. What happened there? And the letters, the neshome of the letters, the life of the letters disappeared. 
commentary regarding unseen forces in Judaism? Yes. And you need to learn to understand the language of the Talmudic rabbis and the Midrashim, what they mean exactly, not to take it in the literal sense. Because it doesn't make sense in the literal sense. The Midrash wanted to tell us something. It was a life. The tablets were a life. They were God wanted to give them to Jewish people. The moment they bought the golden calf, it became heavy. Moses got the message. It's over. It's dead. Continue. This clarifies for us. Huh? Dead weight is a true statement in Judaism too. You know the famous story with Rabbi Yochanan Mezakeh that was in a, in a, in a coffin. He, he sneaked out of Jerusalem. They said only his two disciples should carry him because they will feel that there is no dead weight there. Dead weight is a real thing. Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. This, 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 this clarifies for us the meaning of the letters flew off. It doesn't refer to the actual substance of the letters, but to their life force. Not the letters flew off. They're engraved. How could the letters flow off? The life of the letters. Brains. The life of the letters flow off. That's what that means. That's what you need a Rebbe for. To, clear, to open the eyes mm. of us. This answers our question. This answers our question of how the tablets could remain after the letters engraved on them had flown off. The material of the tablets and the substance of the letters remained complete. What flew off was the life force of the letters as a divine inscription. And therefore, Uh, based based on the above, above, that only the quality of the divine inscription was removed, but the substance of letters remained, it is possible for the attribute of severity to argue that the letters I am your God and do not have any other gods are still present, albeit without the quality of being a divine inscription. Moses, therefore, had to break the tablets, as in the parable from the bride's advocate who ripped up the marriage contract to spare the betrothed woman from punishment. That's why he had to break it. The letters were there. And that still the Jews can be persecuted. He needed to tear up the contract. If the letters disappeared, what's the point to tear up the contract? The letters were there. The life of the letters disappeared. That's even very hard to explain. It's like if you look at a person and they're sick and then they die. And Nothing I, changed. I did that. I did that with my mother. I, I've seen the change and I couldn't explain it. You're right. You and sometimes you cannot even see the change. But in one minute before it was live, a minute later, it's, yeah. yeah, then that's, that's the point. That's what happened here. The life, the life of the, life of the two tablets died. So the life of the Ten Commandments was gone. Gone, gone. Now you're looking, you're looking at people that are dead. It looks beautiful. Sometimes you make showings, right? How it's called? By the, oh, the viewing. Viewing, viewing. Yeah. The viewing, right? Yeah. And they put on makeup and all. They look great, right? Yeah. Bad. Gurnished. That was the tablet. Looked beautiful, but the life was. And Moses felt it. Now, and that explains many things. Well, as we get to to more, but it gives us another look in the whole story. It's a whole different story. Sure, most of them don't. Yeah, most of them don't get anything. That's why we have to learn. We learn and we teach. That's what we have to do. Now comes even a more interesting thing. In the middle of the story of Moses, 
telling about the, the breaking of the tablets in the middle of the story, kind, kind close to the soul, but close to the end, but still in the middle. He mentions the death of Aaron. The death of Aaron, he starts kind of waving it in the story, and he continues, and then God told me to bring me new tablets. Then Rashi and the Medrash, Jerusalem Talmud says, why is Moses mixing the death of Aaron with the, with the, with the story of the breaking of the tablets? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Rabbi Yudin said in the name of Rabbi Shalom, why was the story of Aaron's passing placed adjacent to that of Moses breaking the tablets? To teach us that the passing of the righteous is as difficult as God as the breaking of the tablets? They compare the breaking of the tablets to the death of Tzadikim, of righteous, like the breaking of the tablets. What's the connection? What's the connection? You want to continue? Regarding death, even the young student knows that when the soul first leaves the body, the body is still complete. It is only later that the body disintegrates over time until even the perfectly righteous return to dust. Since Rashi compares the death of the righteous to the breaking of the tablets, this means that the same order held true for the breaking of the tablets. First, the light force departed from the letters on the tablets, like the soul departing the body. But the material of the t- tablets remain just as the body remains after the soul departs it. Only afterwards are the tablets themselves broken by Moses, just as the body disintegrates sometime after the soul leaves it. Okay, what he says is like this. Just as in the, in the comparison between the death of Tzadikim to the breaking of the tablet is not just saying, what a trauma here, we lost the Tzadikim, we lost the tablets, it's much more than that. Just as by a tzaddik, he was alive and then he died. It looks the same. The body is the same body, but the life disappeared. So too, when the Torah wants to say, it's like Moses compares it to the breaking of the tablet, he wants to say, you know what happened by the tablets? The life disappeared. Later, the body was left a body, but it was worthless. It was not worthless, but it was not, not alive, just like the body. The body disintegrates over time, but right by the death, it's a complete body. It doesn't have value. It has a value, but not the value that has life. You're right, but there is still value. That's why we bury the body. Respect it. But the main part, yeah, the purpose is life. If there's no life, there's no nothing, yes. Then the, the comparison between the breaking of the tablet the, 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 the death of the, of the righteous to the breaking of the tablets is a little, very, it's compared because it's the same thing. There is a body in a soul, in a person. There is a body in a soul in the tablets. That's what he says. Okay. Um, Tony, you have to continue. Uh, who allowed Moses to break the tablets? Is that, am I in the right place? Yes. Based on this explanation that Rashi accepts as the simple meaning of the verses, that the letters flew off, we can answer another question. When the young student <clears throat> learns that Moses broke the tablets, he has a question, even if Moses couldn't give the tablets to the Jewish people because of the comparison to the Pesach sacrifice, no foreigner should eat from it. Who gave him permission to break the tablets? Where Moses got the permission to break the tablets? Who gave him permission to do this? 
Continue. This isn't just a logical question. It is also difficult based on the verse. You shall utterly destroy, you shall tear down their altars, destroy their name from that place. You shall not do so to your God. There is a verse in the Bible that you're not allowed to 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 to, to uh, break to this, you, you should destroy the the make an order you you have, you have to destroy the the gods of the of the of the idol worshippers and then the torah says you should not do it to your god your god to god you're not allowed to destroy synagogue you're not a, you destroy the the idol worshipping but you're not allowed to do it to god and what, what, what is the, in Rashi, as Rashi comments, this is in, this is in, 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 next, in next week's Parsha. This line is in next, next week's Parsha. That you should destroy the, the, the tablet, uh, the gods, and don't do it to, God, to, our, to our God. And what Rashi says, go ahead, Rashi comments. So, no, no, you didn't. No? As Rashi comments, this is a prohibition against erasing God's name or, rem- or removing. Don't go about them. In the top of the page, the sixth line. Oh. And you should. As Rashi comments. Can you show him? As Rashi comments, this is a prohibition against erasing God's name or removing a stone from the altar. If so, how was Moses. That means there is a. You're not allowed to erase God's name. One second, you. <laughs> then erase God's name. You're not allowed to erase God's name. It's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a very serious sin to do such a thing. Then now that Moses erased God's name from the tablets, who gave him permission? It's written on the tablets. I am your God. The name God is written there many times. And who gave him permission to erase it? You're not allowed to do it. You're not even allowed to break a stone from the altar. Most, the, the, tent, the, the, the tablets are much more than the altar, right? Yeah. Made by God. Who is Mo- oh, Moses is going and breaking tablets. What's going on here? Wait a second. Continue. It could be. It, it is so, how was Moses allowed to break the tablets that were even holier than a Torah scroll? Yeah, you want to continue? Doctor. It could, it could have been suggested that it was indeed forbidden to break the tablets. Moses doing so was an act of self-sacrifice on behalf of the Jewish people. To break the tablets that served as a marriage contract between the Jewish people and God so they wouldn't be punished. The traditional way of thinking is that Moses knew it's not allowed, but he took the risk. He says, whatever will happen to me will happen to me. I'm risking my life just to save the Jewish people. And it makes sense. But the Rebbe says, it's understood why he did it. Go continue. But based on the book that Rashi explained on the simple level of scripture that the letters flew off the stones, it is clear that Moses saw that God had already begun breaking the tablets by withdrawing the life force of the letters, which were the main part of the tablets. God's inscription, Moses therefore continued and broke the tablets themselves. And God indeed thanked him for breaking. Moses got a hint. And he saw that the life of the tablets is gone. He says God lost his desire. He lost his interest. It's a stone. It's nothing more. You understand? Yeah, yeah. 
It's, he, didn't to, he didn't have to take it to the extreme that he risked his life. Yeah, for sure. Took a risk because he didn't know for sure if Hashem wants it. But he got a message. He got a message. He suddenly became heavy. It died in his end, basically. It died in his end. Yeah. He says, you know what? It's over. Yeah. He got a message right away. It's over. So if you're spiritual, you could, you could get, like, I don't know how to say it. You could get, you could, you could get thoughts and ideas. It's all about the life. Yeah. If there is no life, yeah. many people do many good things, but they are dead. So how would you there define, is now excitement. How would you define life? Excitement, love, enthusiasm. Many people come to pray, but they stay there and they're like, ah. <laughs> come in the morning, they're still tired. sleeping. Tired. They're tired. <laughs> Three quarters of the service, they're still sleeping. <laughs> For the coffee, they wake up. For the children, Shabbos, everybody wakes up. 12 30, all, by this time, they're all awake. <laughs> it's all about the excitement. If the excitement is missed, is lost, it's basically. The tablets are what, it's beautiful tablets. There is many congregations, many synagogues and temples, big, beautiful buildings. There's no life. But there are small little buildings full of life, then a big building with a monument for Judaism. We don't need monuments, we need living people. We need excitement, love, joy, life. Yeah. Even that could be wrong. Still better, better, living the, better living people who are the wrong, they can go to the right. Yeah. But people who are, who, or that dead situation is not going anywhere. Yeah. Life, you can turn around. Dead, you can turn around. This Joel Osteen has life in his church, but it's a long time. I mean, I'm not bringing uh, this, this, this examples here. <laughs> Yeah, you better think. You better think about a different one. <laughs> okay, now that we know, then we established one more. This most important thing. Moses broke the tablets. He was holding it. He felt right away what happened. The change. Now sometimes you hear stories. People said I was holding, and I felt right away. In a second, I felt what happened there. And then you don't need explanations, don't need anything. You see it in one second. And that's, that's what Judaism is trying to blow life into the... Into, you know what Hasidic, move, Hasidic movement did? They brought life to Judaism. That's what they brought. Exactly this. The Baal Shem Tov came and he saw that the tablets are dead. People are doing mitzvahs, depressed, angry. The scholars are full of arrogance. No God, no life, no humbleness, no excitement. Came the Baal Shem Tov and started to breathe life into people. He came and he went from town to town to tell them God loves you and he brought excitement. The Hasidic, white Hasidic movement spread all over Eastern Europe in such a quick, in 50 years, there were hundreds of thousands of people became Hasidic. Because it was, it was spread like a fire, like a wildfire. Because they brought life. It was fun. They were million, exactly, were millions of Jews were dead. They're doing everything. 
like machines, putting on the film, they're doing all the mitzvahs. Going around and kerechtzing, oh, yo, 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 shver zu sein ahid, that's how to be a Jew. Dead. Then came the Baal Shem, I said, what? It's exciting to be Jewish. It's the biggest thing we ever got. It's winning the lottery. A billion dollar lottery is not as much as being a Jew. And he made it fun. See, he grew up in a shul. It was not fun to be Jewish. They told him everything, every day is going to hell. <laughs> and then and he, find, he found Chabad, Chassidus. Oh, Judaism is fun, actually. We resurrected them. We revived them to the dead. Smiling is alive. Okay, life is good. That's what it's all about. Life, is, tablets are dead, we don't need them, as we're going to learn in a minute. I said um, that except, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. The mystical reason for breaking the the Rebbe. Should the Jewish people lose the tablets because of 3,000 sinners? But the explanation that the breaking of the tablets was like tearing up a marriage document is insufficient. Regarding the sin of the golden calf, Rashi explains there were different categories among the sinners, those that sinned before witnesses and after being warned were executed by sword. Those that sinned before witnesses but with no warning, etc. However, aside from these people, the vast majority of the Jewish people didn't sin with the golden calf. How many people were killed because of the, the worship of the golden calf? 3,000. 3,000, Corey? Good for you. It tells you right there, Rabbi. It tells me right there, Will. Oh, I thought I thought you remember that, Corey. Corey, you're reading the the headlines. What is this? I thought you're better than that. Okay, go ahead. Certainly true about the Jewish women. Then the Jewish women didn't sin. Most of the Jewish men didn't sin. Then because of three thousand people, you're breaking tablets. You want to save three thousand people, therefore you tear off the dictuba. That's a question. Continue to read. About whom the Midrash says that when Aaron asked, remove your wives' golden earrings, the women refused to give them, as the verse says, and all the people removed the golden rings from their ears, specifying only their own ears and not their wives' ears. Aaron thought... Right, you know the story. Aaron was looking for... When they came to Aaron, they said, you want to worship the golden... We need the golden calf. Moses died, you need to make something. Aaron wanted to buy time because he knew Moses was supposed to come the next day. He told him, you know what? Bring all the gold and silver that's on your women's uh, the earrings and everything, all the jewelry, everything that they have. He knew that women don't, are not separating from their They have separation anxiety when it comes <laughs> to giving earrings and, and jewelry. Then he said, it will take time. And they will never... By this time, Moses will come. They came to the women, as you're going to read in a minute. The women didn't give it. The women said, Moses is going to come back. The women never made mistakes. They were right. You know what happened? The men gave their jewelry. That's why men should never have jewelry. Hmm. They do the, the wrong thing. Go ahead. Aaron thought to himself, if I tell the Israelites, bring me silver and gold, they will bring it immediately. Instead, I will instruct them to bring their wives and children's jewelry, and the whole plan will fall apart on its own. When the wives heard the request, they refused to give their jewelry to their husbands, telling them, you want me to make an abomination that has no power to save? The husbands didn't listen. The men saw that the women refused to give their jewelry to their husbands. At that time, the men wore earrings per Egyptian custom. 
So they took off their own earrings and gave them to Aaron, as the verse says, and the people removed their gold rings from their ears, from their ears, not their wives' ears. Didn't they have it through their nose, too? Doesn't the Torah say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there it speaks about uh, the so three thousand people. It was only three thousand people that gave enough jewelry. To no, them. more people. How many people worship the golden calf? Is three thousand people. The donations were bigger. Hmm. They built a golden calf. There was a big thing. No, hmm. the donations. Many, many Jews gave donations to the golden calf. It doesn't mean they went to worship idols. They're not so hmm. crazy. It's like people give donations to the synagogue. It doesn't mean they have to come to see it. <laughs> <laughs> The, Somebody told me the other day, he said, I told him, I made him make a pledge for the building. He tells me, now you put me in trouble, I have to come to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny, actually. Go ahead. For those people that sinned with the golden calf, there was a need to break the tablets so that God shouldn't be able to argue that they violated the commandment, you shall not have any other gods. But what was the reason for breaking the tablets as it relates to the majority of the Jewish people who did not sin with the yeah, well, I did not see the golden calf why you broke the tablets. If you go with the whole idea of the ketuba and the contract, then, then why we need it? Why need to break it? Continue. This is especially difficult considering that the tablets were given to each and every Jew individually, as is clear from the fact that the commandments were delivered in the singular form, I am your God who took you out of Egypt. You said God when he said I am your God. In English, every you is for one person, you is for ten people. In Hebrew, there is singular and plural. Anochi Hashem Elokecha is God speaking in the singular. God is speaking to every Jew individually. I am your God. That if, I, if God gives me the, ten, the two tablets, the Ten Commandments, why it's my fault that this guy worshipped golden calf? Why are you breaking the tablets for me? That's a question. Continue. You shall not have any other gods, and similarly for the other commandments. Yet, nevertheless, Moses broke not only the tablets of the sinners, but of each and every one of the Jewish people who didn't take part in the sin. As mentioned, even after the letters flew off and the quality of the divine inscription was removed, the tablets still remained the quality of being God's handiwork. Then why is he breaking it? Continue. The tablets couldn't bear the descent. This is what the Midrash is explaining when it continues and says that after the letters flew off the tablets, the tablets became heavy in Moses' hands and were broken. Notwithstanding the great and unparalleled quality of the tablets themselves, God's handiwork, even without the letters, after the Ten Commandments were engraved into the tablets, they together became one, even greater unit. As a result, when the letters flew off, the tablets couldn't bear it. Is, is that, and after they, they had... Did the power to that already? Okay, me. I've tried. I have before. Sorry. Go ahead. As a result, when the letters flew off, the tablets couldn't bear it. And after they had already tasted the greatness of being one unit with the Ten Commandments, they were unwilling to return to their previous state as just God's handiwork. Mm. Go ahead. The tablets. Well, one more thing. What were you reading? Where are you? I'm at the top of page 15 on the upper paragraph on the left. Okay. As a result, when the letters flew off, the tablets couldn't bear it. And after they had already tasted the greatness of being one unit with the Ten Commandments, they were unwilling to return to their previous state as just God's handiwork. The tablets felt 
that their present state after the letters had disappeared was insignificant. You understand what he's saying here? He's saying here something a little deep. Yes. What he says here, it's true that the tablets were there. They were the stones. But the moment the life of the tablet is gone, and you already, you already don't want to look over it without it. The moment you try, you experience the real thing, mm-hmm. anything less than that is not the same anymore. It's like the people who, had the, who were in the second temple or in the first temple. If you would tell them, look, you have the Kotel, you have the Western Wall, you can pray there, why are you complaining so much? So you're telling me Western Wall. I was there. I was in the temple. I saw God. What do you think? There's a story, there is a wall that you believe that, yeah, the Shekhinah is there, but you, you don't see it. For the tablets, the moment the life of the tablets was disappearing, there was no point anymore to keep it, to keep it going, so to speak. Go ahead. I think of, I think of when uh, Cain killed Abel, God said the, the, uh, the blood cries out. Bloods. Yeah, the blood the cries blood out. Cries yeah. out from the ground. Yes. It's like everything has life. So we are, this is a, yeah, there, there are a number of examples where we anthropomorphize. Yes, but here too. We, we, we attribute like a human quality. Exactly. We are, we are, exactly. Exactly. We but, say, but the, the, for example, the language about COVID lately is the same. That COVID survives, wants to survive, right? That the virus wants to survive. Yes. Yeah, but to say that the virus has a desire and has a want and has a this is the wrong word. It's just we are attributing these words to it. Mm-hmm. The virus does not have a logic and the virus doesn't think and the virus doesn't speak. We, the, 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 medical, the medical world attributed these words for us to be able to explain it. How I know it? Because I deal with explaining these things for many years. <laughs> and I explained to somebody who was so excited to explain it that the, that the virus wants to go and wants to come and say, hey, hey, the virus doesn't want to do anything. The virus has a nature. You and I had this conversation. Yeah, could be also. About the virus mutating to more mild. Yes, yes, but... Yeah, yeah, the virus mutes, but it's not that the virus wants any. The virus does not have a desire to survive. The virus is programmed in a way that it's surviving. Yes. Right? Yes. Those are selection pressures that, so, that, that, that create this. When you say selection pressures, what do you mean? Well, if the, if the uh, I mean, this is more, this gets into a long conversation. We keep going. I, I, okay. No, I, I don't mean you to, got the I, point. I don't mean to dodge your question. No, no, I understand that. So you don't want to get too long. This is more related to anthropology uh-huh. perspectives. That'll be too long for me. I will yeah. never understand it anyway. But, but there, there, there are selection pressures for every organism. Yeah, I agree. You, you, for you example. Change, you change in order to survive. And But what you say is true. I mean, the same idea is here. For example, the Talmud says, you know, we have a custom to cover the chalas. Before Shabbat, before we make it, why we cover the chalas? Because they don't want to embarrass the chale. In front, when we make it, we choose the wine over the chale. We don't want to embarrass the chale. Oh. That the chale feels. <laughs> that the chale thinks. Wow. We think for the chale. If the chale would think, she would be embarrassed. There is a, the, the Torah says you're not allowed. There is a ramp that goes to the to the altar, because if it will be steps and steps, you uncover your nakedness. 
and you will insult the stones. That Rashi says, if stones who don't feel and don't think, you're not allowed to insult them, how much more, your friend? Then what you learn from it is, the same thing is with the, with the, with the two tablets. The tablets feel, so to speak, that without God, they, they rather don't want to be existed. That's what he's saying here. If I don't have the life that I used to have, this is not life. There are people who are in a certain stage in life. If they cannot have this life, they rather be dead. Many people. People who are climbers. You're telling me climber the Everest mountain, right? What is it called? Everest. Yeah. Everest. They tell him, you're going to be killed, kill yourself. Mm -hmm. He says, I'd rather do this and die than sitting home and doing nothing. There is many, many people in many situations, big violinists, if you tell them you cannot, you cannot do this, he said, you're killing me. I don't, I'd rather not be alive. The tablets, if they don't have life, they don't want to be existing. That's what the Rebbe is saying. Actually, the language about the pandemic is good. Because now when I tell people that the, that the stone, you cannot insult stones and we cannot install the chale, it's much better. And they start, oh, it doesn't think. I said, ah, ah, the pandemic and the virus is thinking, huh? <laughs> really? Ah, the virus is thinking, Chochem. Okay. okay. I love how the, the whole world adapted the language. But if you think about it, it's not that there is independent thinking. It might be, but not what a human... Not what, the way we understand it. Let's put it this way. And this goes to the next code we know, next paragraph. The fact that the letters flew off the tablets caused in them a spiritual brokenness, which was expressed by them becoming heavy. This resulted in the physical breaking of the tablets. Moses was unable to hold them. He flung them from his hands and they broke. There was no point. They lost the desire to exist. That's what really happened of the tablets themselves. Continue. The holy body can't bear descent. Based on the above, we can understand how the passing of the righteous causes the body to break, similar to the tablets. Even completely righteous people return to dust after their death. Right? It's written that a person has to come back to dust. The question is... Why is this necessary? True, after death, the body no longer possesses the quality of the soul, but it still possesses the quality that it was chosen by God. And God's choice is eternal. Why then does the body need to disintegrate? The explanation for this follows the same lines discussed regarding the breaking of the tablets. Once the tablets experience the added quality of carrying the letters of the Ten Commandments engraved into them, when this quality is taken away, they are now insignificant. Similarly, regarding the Jewish body, although the body itself has the quality of being chosen by God, after it has tasted the elevation it achieved as a result of its unification with the soul, enabling it to observe Torah and mitzvot at every moment, the body becomes meaningless when the soul leaves and loses this quality. This is why its material existence disintegrates. It means to say like this, you know, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, when he was sitting in jail, he said something very interesting. He said, I, when, when, when his aunt couldn't write letters, to inspire people to build mikvehs and synagogues and yeshivas and for students. He says, my hand better be dried up, dry up. Or they can put on film with the hand, you can, you can do many mitzvahs then. When your whole purpose is a higher purpose and you cannot do it, 
you, you cannot compromise, you cannot settle for the lower purpose. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Then everything less than that is meaningless. Yeah. If it's a doctor, or every, every person who has a mission in life, you're telling me, okay, you will not do this, you'll do only this, big deal. You rather not be around. Therefore, the body of a tzaddik, it can exist forever because he says also only, but says if I cannot do what I'm supposed to do, I rather descend it. The tablets were screaming that they want to be broken, basically. That's what the point is. If you cannot be there, after you taste the there, you don't want to go any lower. That's an explanation, that's my own explanation. Why people from time to time experience such spiritual elevations, like they feel really connected. They should always look for something higher. It almost implies that a person can never retire if they're doing a wonderful job. So God, God wanted the, God wanted the, the tablets will be broken. Yeah, God wanted it. He wanted to start over then. Yes. But Moses had to talk him into it, but. Yeah. Right? The moment God lost, took away the life, what means he took away the life from the tablets? He lost his desires, his interest in the tablets. God lost his interest in the tablet. The Jews, think about that. You come, a person goes to buy a beautiful bouquet, whatever it is, to his bride. And he arrives, he flies, and he comes, and he discovers that he goes out with another man. Oh! He throws away the old beautiful bouquet that he paid so much money. It's meaningless. It's worthless. He doesn't need it. And the moment the groom doesn't need it, nobody else needs it. You better destroy it or you're going to give it to somebody else. Or we can do a mitzvah with it, we'll give it another way. That's over. God was sending the bouquet, the two tablets, to the Jewish people, full of life and excitement. On the way, he discovered, oy vey, Forget about it. it. It became heavy. It became heavy. Nobody needs it. Then there was no point to keep, to keep the stones. You understand? To keep the, it becomes a monument. It becomes a gravestone. It becomes meaningless. It's 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 even more painful. It's better it shouldn't be existing. But the way the Rebbe says it, the stones don't want the, to be alive if they cannot have the the, the real thing. Just like the virus. Now, how does this parallel in Ezekiel, it says, can these bones live? Can they... How, how God brought live? life to... The, that's resurrection of the dead. Yeah. That was the second set of tablets. Yeah. My dear friend, God bless you. And God bless America. Oh, yeah.